This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. Only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery, like McKenna, brings a top-tier lineup. With Leaf Davis-esque delivery right to your door, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only by app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Blue Monday podcast. Now in our fifth season, looking into the exciting, the exciting happenings of Ipswich Town Football Club, I'm Richard Woodward and you are tuned in to the flagship show available every week on video and audio for a sometimes irreverent but always informative hour or more of football conversation. So make your Monday a Blue Monday and joining me on this windy, wet Sunday. And yes, we are recording, Seb. How's the edge? Making sure you have press record this time. Northwest correspondent, Seb Brown. Seb, how are you going? How are you going? Not too bad, thank you. Uh, long day yesterday, but uh, yeah, not too bad. And thankfully, you've press record this time. So uh, we think. we're off to a we better think. start than last time. I think. Let's just, yeah, okay. I think we've done all right. Um, so we've got plenty of bits and pieces to talk about in the news this week. We'll get on to Sunderland and... We'll have a look at that. We've actually got the league table right in front of us for the whole pod. Does it so have, kind of keep does it have that, to be there? Keep that in your mind Great. without the words crap coming to mind. <laughs> yeah, um, but um, the news is a bit crap as well. Meh. Isn't it? Crap. Yeah. Because it's quotes from people. And the context of the quotes is kind of always important. We always talk about that. Um, let's, um, one thing I wanted, I wanted to get your thoughts on. Let's, um, let's start with this. Um, Terry Butcher is given a coaching role. Um, it's kind of a a role that's been created just for him, seemingly. And it's a combination of um, academy work, first and foremost, I think. But there is some involvement, and that's probably as much detail as we've been given so far, yeah. with the first team. Is this kind of where we need um, Terry Butcher with the bandage and the blood <laughs> to go and give it to our players and get some fight and passion? Yeah, fight, passion, the warrior-like spirit. We could certainly do with some of that in the uh, in the first team at the minute. For, from an academy point of view, it does make sense to have someone of his of his quality. You know, England caps, trophies, everything. Uh, who, what better role model for these these young lads who are developing and coming through the system to look up to and get experience from? From the from the senior point of view, I'm not sure how much he'll be he'll be involved in the in the senior the senior aspect of the, of training and whatnot. But however, for for hashtag <laughs> whatnot. Sorry, yes, hashtag whatnot. Um, but for uh, even for the likes of you know the most experienced of our of our squad, the Chambers and the Scooses again. You know, Butchers won England caps, played in World Cups, won trophies. Even for those kind of players, they could go to him. And if, if he can get an extra 1% out of, uh, out of the players in our squad, it, it could make a difference. So uh, at first, I did think it was a bit of a, a, bit of a PR stunt uh, oh, on, the back of a, yeah, on the back of a couple of bad results. Here we go. Some money's going behind the bar and here comes a legend out of the woodwork. But um, the, the more you, you think about it logically and the more you, you, you work out what he's going to be doing, I, I think it could have some benefits. Yeah, Butchers... Being a coach and a manager to mi- mixed success. The Philippines. Yeah, yeah, big name. Inverness, Caledonian Thistle. Yeah. Um, but I, I think, personally, I look at it as, as, as what we talked about. I mentioned this on, on the Roker Report podcast, that we, we lack the fight. We've got questions about why we're not winning against top six, <coughs> top eight teams, and you kind of feel that that fighting spirit is lacking, yeah. the lack of warriors on the pitch, and Butcher is certainly that. So if... Uh, Sorry, and look, we, we, we bottle big games. If mm. town bottle big games, Terry Butcher has played in a lot of big games and he, he's won uh, a fair few of them. So again, if he can somehow 
turn that mentality around a little bit, getting into the, the, the crucial, the, the business end of the season. If he can uh, have an impact there, maybe again, that's going to be an extra, an extra bonus for us. Talking of bottling it, um, and um, I like Luke Chambers. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a big advocate for him being rewarded um, for just being a great ambassador for the club last season and winning player of the season, albeit I don't think anyone really deserved it from the field. Um, but it's kind of two weeks in a row now where we've had quotes that, you know, in in the moment kind of sound really good, but played out against the backdrop of our results and our performances feel like they're kind of misjudged. Um, and this is a quite a short soundbite. I've got a few more quotes here from um, TWT did put quite a lot of stuff out this week and we'll come on to the Leo Neal stuff that they did in a sec. But it would be a failure if we don't go up. A few of the boys um, still haven't played consistently at this level and we need to produce. Yes, the pressure's on. But no matter what the division you're in, you when you're playing for Ipswich Town, the pressure is there. Um, it would be a failure if we don't go up. Do you agree with that? Um, yes. In, in what he says, he's right. And like you, I love Chambers. I, I think he deserves the end of the season to have some success with us for, for all he's done over the last uh, eight, seven, eight years. Um, but when he says these things, I think all he's doing is building pressure. Mm. Um, Lambert keeps saying we've got such a young squad. The stats came out this week proving maybe it's not as young as we thought it was. But some of these boys are relatively inexperienced. And if they're hearing their their role model and their captain saying these kind of things, I can't help but feel they're going to start to, you know, I mean, yesterday's a case in point. Um, if we start to, to, to lose these games and points just dropping away and we drop out of the playoff positions and we're saying this kind of stuff, it's not going to be great for, for the squad, in my opinion. But like you say, I love Chambers to bits, but I think sometimes he's a bit too honest um, and, and maybe a bit too sort of passionate in what he, what he says. Yeah, there's a little... I, I tweeted something last week about doing the talking on the pitch. Yeah. We kind of had... Edward Squeen, I was talking about how everyone's hurting. Um, and, and, and say, say it in the dressing room. That's yeah, fine. Say yeah. it in training, say it in the dressing room. But as soon as it becomes a, a press conference and a sound bite, we're all at it on social media. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's getting around everywhere. There's things in the local papers about it. And suddenly then it becomes a, a much wider issue, especially when you then, on the Saturday, for the, well, the, the, the next game, for the third game on a row, fail, fail to deliver. I think, yeah, I'm all for the captain particularly setting the standard yeah. and setting a target for players. I just don't feel that we've got the mental fortitude is the word again I used on the record report for our players to do that. And I think, you know, you we you judge those comments on the results yeah. that we're getting and we're and at the moment, not so much. So maybe a little bit of um, humility, a little yeah. bit of more effort, less chat, and then come back and, and if things get back on track then we can kind of talk about the, no, the, the pressure and trying to get up and failure but, and so on. But what he says is, is correct. You know, we, mm. we should be going up. If you, if you base it on the biggest budget in the league, we're probably second, I assume, behind Sunderland. Maybe, maybe we're top, I don't, I don't know, after the January window. But um, what, what he's saying is right. I just think it's the delivery and the, and the, the time and the place it's mentioned that probably isn't, uh, isn't the most constructive given the current run of form. Um, one of the biggest shocks of the week, and it's something that I don't think any of us would have thought about, Mind blown. Is, um, is that we're off to the Germany again for pre-season. Yeah, I think. Where I mean, did I, that I, one come from? If you can bring up Wikipedia, I think Lambert played there. Um, not, for no, some, did he? I th- yeah, yeah, at some point in his career. I'm sure he has played in Germany. Um, hopefully he'll mention it soon so we can all confirm that fact. But um, yeah, I mean, it's clear this is going to be what it is now. We had every year in Ireland under Mick, the same place, <laughs> the same, you know, I don't know what kind of deals these guys get from commercial points of view. I'm assuming they get free free stays if they take the football club there. But uh, I think as long as Lambert is in charge, every single summer we're going to be going to Germany, just like every single year under Mick, we went to Ireland. I get used to it. Yeah, I don't think we'd be taking the piss about it if... The games that are likely to happen are in places like Dusseldorf, where if, that if it was, pre-season friendly, 15-16 season was brilliant. Yeah, we both went. It was uh, superb. Yeah. Easy transport links, a great atmosphere, a great game, and a decent standard of opposition. It's when they start doing this remote training facility that takes two hours to drive to the, the Interwetten Cup games. Um, fans have got to drive for two, two and a half hours to get there. It just becomes a bit of a logistical nightmare, and I think that was reflected by the fact that Dusseldorf, two, three... Three, four years ago, um, there were thousands of people there. And this one, I, I guess there were relatively few people there this summer. And if it's a repeat of the Interwetten Cup this coming this coming summer, I guess, again, the numbers will probably uh, dwindle a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Um, Leo Neal's been doing a lot of talking. I mentioned this already. So I'm going to quote you some stuff here. And I'm going to try and find a mischievous hmm. um, angle to it. Um, again, he's repeating the kind of same stuff as Chambers. The squad is competitive enough to be challenging for the title. Um, the quotes, um, we think the squad is competitive enough to be up there. 
Um, that's what we set out at the start of the season as competition for places. When you look at the starting lineup and we're profiling the two or three we have in each position, there's competition. It's up to the players to perform really well and each one to keep his shirts. Um, when we are looking to bring in another player, they've got to be better than what oh, they've got to be better than what we've got, um, and only that. Um, and a player that wants to come and play for Ipswich Town in League One, um, look. You know I hate business. <laughs> You've got to think about the whole pie, Lee. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, this squad is competitive. Let's be trying for the title. I think, are we believing this hype too much? Is, is this squad good enough for the title, Seb? Uh, in theory, it should be. But the, 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 the results on the pitch and the fact we can't beat anybody in the top eight would suggest otherwise. Mm. We've got to remember, Lee O'Neill is an employee of Ipswich Town Football Club who is owned by Marcus Evans. He's obviously not going to come out and, and throw them under the bus and mention things that we as fans probably want to hear. So I think we spoke in the pub with Mullet about it yesterday, and Mullet described the whole thing as candy floss, which yeah. I thought was yeah, an, yeah. an excellent um, comparison for it. It's, it's no substance whatsoever and a fair bit of buzzword bingo. I mean, clearly that, that statement there is clearly just defending the lack of transfer policy in January. We all felt a striker was probably needed, a big, a big ugly lump, uh, maybe to help us out in the latter half of the season, maybe a new centre-back. There were, there were spaces in the squad that needed filling and you could argue the likes of the departures would have freed up some money on the wage bill to make those, make those transfers happen. So all I see there is, is him, you know, a week after the transfer window finishes, he's come out, said these things as, as a way of defending the fact we did no business with which, which could well come back and bite us in the, in the months to come. Yeah, I, I think in, in August, if you look at that squad prior, to, uh, well, post Vincent Young signing yep. and Keane signing um, and Georgiou signing, I think you, you, it'd be difficult to argue that. On paper, it's there. But we must have learned something through November and December that the squad isn't there. Um, Apparently we, not. And, and, and this frustrates me. I mean, we've got questions about this. Um, to me, the strengthening needed to be in the types of the mentalities of the kind of players that we bring in. Um, again, interesting chat with the guys from the Roker Report about the lack of streetwise players yeah. playing for us. You kind of think Norwood and Downs is probably yeah. about it. Maybe yeah. Scoose knows kind of where to be. And but I think at League One level, I think we've got a kind of an, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's like it's a fancy squad, isn't it? It's a yeah. nice, it's a lovely squad to have. Yeah, but I don't think it's it's, it's not the battle hardened warriors get that, you, points that you might need. And I think we're starting to see this with the form of the likes of Judge Keane had a mixed game yesterday. We're more on more on that in a sec. Um, yeah, but I'm go, not, go, I'm not buying this. Going back to your streetwise point, I mean, I can remember Roy Keane being here and saying the same thing. We need some streetwise kind of players. So this is an issue that's been going on for sort of 10 years or so, which obviously does tie in with our, our decade of, of, of failure, so to speak. It's, it's just deep ridden throughout the club. Mm. We don't have that, that mental sort of, the, the streetness, and we don't, the streetwiseness, sorry, and we don't have that mental, that mental fortitude, like you said, um, when it gets down to the, the really important moments. Yep, and confidence is certainly something at a premium as well. Um, more from um, Leo Neal. Um, we won't dwell on these too much because I'm getting annoyed just reading it. Um, Lambert contract offer was not premature. Um, so there's, uh, there's a, a suggestion here by O'Neill that a plan is being put in place that didn't maybe exist before. This is what concerns me. Our plan might be slightly different to other clubs and we're looking to put infrastructure and platforms in place for the future of the club. Do you do you buy this? Is there a plan? We've had Marcus Evans plans before. Yeah. We've had the five year plan from Evans. Well, five point plan, sorry, from Evans. Uh, we've had Lambert here since October 2019. Um, so, uh, sorry, 2018. Um, so you're looking at nearly 18 months now and it's only the last half dozen games we seem to have settled on some sort of formation and therefore trying to develop some sort of identity so I don't really buy into this this plan malarkey I, I assume what they want to do is because Evans is very very vocal about the academy and it is a good business model it's what we did in the 90s you want to develop your own players you want to sell them and then ideally you reinvest like we did in 2000 and you bring in those bit of quality to get you over the line what won't work is if we stay down this year and the likes of Downs and Wolferden go for a combined fee of 1.2 million <laughs> you, you need to sell championship to Premier League. If you sell League One to Premier League or League One to Championship, the fee straight away is going to be twenty five percent of what it could have been, uh, and that's what we've always we've always sort of done done wrong. We, we you know Mings aside, maybe Wickham arguably, we always seem to sell that that player one move too early. The likes of Webster and maybe Waghorn etc. You know, um, we don't really look at look, look ahead with a long term structure and plan. So. 
I don't know what they're what, when they're saying that it might be different to other clubs. Are they, <laughs> they going to go for the Brentford kind of model of Moneyball of develop players, buy players in, move them on, and reinvent? On the cheap. Yeah, and then but that's okay if I you know, invest as in, in Moneyball on the cheap. That's what it will be. Oh, sorry, sell them. Brentford have got an infrastructure yeah. and platforms yeah. in place, but they do it superbly because it's, they've been doing it for years. And if we're at the start of this journey, ten years into Evan, uh, twelve years into Evan's reign, then yeah. Exasperated is the. I uh, my issue, and it goes back to the Marcus Evans five point plan. Is we were given bullet points that actually weren't a plan. And, well, they yeah. were they were a criteria, yeah. as in we're going to sign players young, build up their value, and sell them on a profit. We are going to integrate the academy. We're going to play attacking football. Mm-hmm. You know, these are criteria. These are not a plan. A plan needs an end game. Yeah, and so we've got a five year contract for Lambert. Um, which we've debated the merits of that on yeah. the pod before, so let's not go back to that. But what is at the end of the plan? Remember the Sheepshanks three-year plan yeah. to get us promoted. The target was Premier League. Yeah. We delivered that, I think, in two years rather than three, but everyone knew what the target was. So I know I said previously in this, I think in maybe some of the lines that we said, that you know the target at the start of the season was, to, was the title was to go up. To me, a plan needs a little bit more yeah. meat around the bones than the kind of stuff that we've heard from Marcus Evans and Leo Neal now. So that's my rant about that kind of stuff. The contract offer for Lambert is silly, and we'll have more on that in the questions. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm just going to finish off on this point. If I wasn't pissed off already, um, Evans is uh, Marcus Evans is still very much committed to the yeah. club. I, I think... There's a little bit of um, protesting too much here. The <laughs> fact that we need to be reminded that our owner cares um, worries me a little bit, and the, the evidence should be tangible. And in terms of tangible stuff, Seb, um, lots of stuff happening around this, this behind the scenes, around the training ground, the stadium. Pillars. He's trying to address areas of the stadium to improve the match day experience, including the pillars. Um, I'm, I might ask you about your 12. I, I stuck mine on Twitter. Um, we'll go through that maybe. Um, but the, the telling question here, I don't know who asked it, whether it was Phil or someone at TWTD, asked why the stadium was allowed to deteriorate in the manner it had. O'Neill said, it can be a number of reasons why, <laughs> and it's not for me to say. That's a cop-out, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. But at the same time, like I said a few minutes ago, he is an employee of Ipswich Town Football Club and an employee of Marcus Evans. We all know the reason the stadium has gone a bit ropey is because of lack of investment, uh, which comes from solely from the owner. There's no other reason why the stadium looks like it like it currently does and no other reason why it's taken so long to, to fix things. I mean, the roof still hasn't been power-washed, has it? At the, uh, no. the North Stand roof is still the same as it was, despite in the summer that interview where he said, yep, we're going to get the uh, going to get the roof done. So it all comes down to a lack of investment. That's the only reason why the stadium is like it is. So it is a cop-out answer because, well, he's, he's not going to throw his, his boss in reality under the bus. If you and me do an interview for our respective bosses, we're not going to throw them under the bus. So I don't really blame Leo Neal for that. I just don't really see what the point of him doing the interviews was because nothing was nothing was gained by it. Yeah, answer the question or, yeah. or no comment. Yeah, politician. So Yeah, yeah. So a bit of work to be done there on... PR and, and um, when and when not to answer questions, yeah. I think. Um, let's move on to Sunderland, along with 2,000, uh, around 2,000 other supporters, we made the trip. It's not normal. Up to the northwest. It's not normal. North, northeast. Northeast. You're the northwest the correspondence. Northwest. Yeah. Northeast. Oh, maybe your geographic knowledge runs out. Maybe I don't know. We'll find out. Um, <laughs> Ten round at least. So big changes in the lineup, and to, it's a Lambert's credit. Changes that I think a lot of us were asking for, the most significant yeah. of which is Thomas Holy in goal. Um, otherwise, it's the usual back three. And then we've got some enforced changes. Um, Luke Garber out with an injury. Um, Guillaume Edwards suspended. So Kenlock and Dynastian come in respectively there. Um, Scoose in the central midfield with Downs. And Nolan is replacing a out-of-form yep. Alan Judge, dare I say. It. Yep. Um, and up front, um, I don't know whether I like this partnership or not. And, I'm, and, the, and I would say I'm no any the wiser after yesterday either but it's Norwood who comes back in again yeah. a change that people were asking for yeah. and keen alongside him any, any thoughts on on that lineup, set? so the some of them were in force obviously we had the the reserve wing backs were out but there was a slightly different look to the central midfield wasn't there previously we've had judge just behind the front two I think it was a, a reversal of pivot so you had Scoose in behind Nolan and Downs with the idea being that Nolan would do his sort of uh, Shrewsbury days of being a number box eight box. yeah box to box yep. support the strikers 
So a slight tweak in the uh, in the central midfield variations as well. Um, like you, Keane and Norwood. I wanted Norwood to start, but I still think Jackson has been our, uh, our our best striker this year. And with his pace, and with Sunderland not having a great deal of pace in their back line, I was I was quite surprised to see him drop down to the bench. I'm gonna. I'm trying to. Um, our mate Craig from um, from the pod has um, been quite. Um, He's done some stats on Keane starting and yes. and the consequence that has on goals. And I'm going to struggle to find this on time. But if I find this later on, I'll, I'll repeat it. But we don't really have a good record from no. scoring when Keane starts. Games. Yeah, it's something like... The the headline, last, I think it? it's of the last six games he's... Uh, he started. I think we've only scored five goals or so. So the, the stats do sort of do sort of prove that Norwood looked decent. Apparently, when he came on, I wasn't at Peterborough, but he sort of looked okay. And I guess a, a cold, blowy day in the north in the northeast, you probably want his hustle and his bustle and his aggression to sort of lead the line and uh, and put defenders under pressure. But I would always start Jackson because I, I think he has been our best striker, and I think he uh, can feel himself very hard done by. And as the game sort of went on, we did get luck down the flanks and down the channels, and you start to think to yourself. I wish we had Jackson running mm. onto these chances um, with it, with his pace. Yep, I failed to find the stats, but we'll um, hopefully from Craig will um, will tweet them and maybe we'll, we'll sort that off the um, off the Blue Monday account. Um, let's talk about Sunderland. It's a it's a three at the back for them as well. Um, I think notionally it's it's written as a three four three. I think the two midfielders sit and and then there's kind of it's not a front three as such. I don't think, but it's McLaughlin in goal, um, a back three of Flanagan, Wright, and Willis ex Cov. Um, midfield four of Denver Hume, Max Power, Max Power, George Dobson and Luke O'Neill. Um, and then the front three, although I'd say that it's it's Maguire, I think, oh, it's Wyke in the middle, yeah, with Gooch and Maguire either side. Yeah, sides. Wyke's the focal point, and he's the... Yeah, and he's certainly more, um, he's further forward than Gooch and Maguire. Yeah, and they make the runs off him with him holding the ball up, that's the, that's the game plan. Um, on the bench... On the benches, I would say, the only the only thing really to call out for us is um, Emma Hughes is fit enough to make it and Josh Earl as well is returned from um, an injury yeah. um, though he um, we'll Sporting talk about a, him a fan of the opera star yeah. mask um, and for Sunderland new signings uh, Josh Scoen and Carl Lafferty um, once of Norwich are on the bench let's get into the action because um, after a bit of a crappy start it has to be said Ipswich begin to dominate and certainly in my mind Sunderland looking nervous mm. um, eighth minute here Nolan and Keane theme of the first half was a lot of possession around the 18-yard box, perhaps a little bit too ponderous to make a good chance out of something. But here, Keane lays in Kenlock, who's in all kinds of space, in Garbutt, if Garbutt is playing... 1-0. It's 1-0 or it's a shot on target. Garbutt hits that first time, um, Kenlock takes a touch... It's not an amazing touch, and by the time he gets his shot off, the defenders come across and blocks it out. Yeah. Garbert running onto that first time with his left foot, I think he pretty much tries to break the back of the net. And I, I think if, if that's Garbert in that situation, I, I think it's 1 0. So Nian, who, who makes the block there, it's a decent block, but Kenok has two bites of the cherry, yeah. um, takes a touch when really, as we say, he should shoot. A minute later, it's, it's the ball is in the net for Sunderland, um, a rare foray forward for them. Um, it's Maguire who sends in the cross. Um, and I think, oh no, it's Maguire who pokes in the shot, yeah. but he's offside, clearly offside. Um, 13 minutes, uh, half chance here. Um, Downs and Nolan combine on the left-hand side of the penalty area. Wolfenden it is, with an as an overlapping centre-back, yeah. I guess you could say, actually in this occasion. Um, he clips a kind of high cross in. Keane actually wins his header for once. A rare incidence of, of Will Keane for, um, for winning a header, but he can only head it onto the roof of the net. Um, he was leading back, wasn't he? I mean, yeah. we did see Chambers and Ken, uh, sorry, Chambers and Wolfenden get get forward quite a lot in the first half. It was a bit like the uh, the Accrington game. They clearly been given a license to to bomb on because they had the safety net of Scoose and and Wilson staying back doing the dirty work. And uh, yeah, for the first yeah, played really well for the first half. Yeah, we're gonna we need to uh, when we get to ninety minutes, we need to figure out a way to properly discuss this, this because Twitter, I think, is a bit up and down. We talked about that. This first half performance was was. Um, I would say it's a 7 out of 10 it's not an 8 or a 9 out of 10 no. because we end up don't take chances. taking our chances but th- th- this is a dominant performance yep. away at a top 8 team something we've talked about as well and I think we need to give the, the side credit here but not too much credit um, I think um, this is a love this is a big chance here 40 minutes Kenlock it is who I don't think have a particularly good game but there are this is a lovely ball that he yeah. curls around into the, in the left hand channel and Norwood is quick Norwood is in and we've seen him do this before one on one goes for the chip which is probably the more um the high risk option yep. you you're kind of a 
you're giving him a, the benefit of it's a difficult he has situation. A, he has a split second to decide what to do. The keeper's off his line quite quickly. It's a beautifully weighted and curved ball through mm. from uh, from Kenlock. Norwood breaks the line really well. Uh, times his run brilliantly. He's onto it in a flash, and then he's, he's got two choices: dink it like he does, or try and take him round it. If he takes him round it, if, if he takes it, tries to take it round the keeper, his angle is immediately narrowed quite badly. So, uh, and, and he's on his left foot, his, his weaker foot. So I'm not entirely sure. I don't, I don't really blame him for going for the dink, but um, as we know, <laughs> James Norwood and one on ones don't have an amazing uh, success rate. Marcus Stewart scores that chance. Oh, he takes Marcus takes it round him. He's on his left foot, rolls it in, and probably embarrasses two defenders on the line. Yes, but um, we're not in those days anymore, folks. We are not. Um, 80 minutes on as a tame shot. 25 minutes. Um, this is, again, possibly a little bit more speculative. Um, Nolan and Keane, again, combining around the 18-yard box, working a position, ball falls lo- loose and Nord hits the kind of an outswinging slice shot that's wide of the post. It looked On the highlights for the club I put out today, it looked closer than it was in reality. We were right yeah. behind that and it was it was well wide. Um, 38, Nolan, uh, again, has a... Nolan's got a real... Issue when he when the ball drops from him in space outside he, the area, he always side foots side foots it, it doesn't every he? time. He side foots it from sort of twenty yards out. You know, you want to get head down and power over it. Um, I think we've mentioned in the past. I, I need to go and look at his his two thousand and seventeen eighteen Shrewsbury season to see what kind of goals he scored. But I can't believe that he was side footing stuff then, and it was it was going in left, right, and centre. So just get your head over it and connect with it and hit the damn thing. But, but is, is that is that confidence? Is that the fact he hasn't played much in recent weeks? We don't. Know. Perhaps um, forty four minutes. I, I, just before that, I need to mention that there's a moment in the in the first half where there's a long punt forward. Holy's balls were going a long way. I, sorry, um, Holy's clearances were going a long way. Um, and there's a few here where Nolan, um, sorry, Norwood gets in and, and makes something happen. But there's one here where where it kind of holds up in the wind. The defender is kind of wanting to see the ball out, but actually it slows up. And Chambers oh, that was dashes from his up from his own half yeah. to keep that ball in play yeah. and create a chance. I think the cross goes in and it's a wasted position. But that is the kind of fight and attitude oh, yeah. that we need to be seeing for 90 minutes. And that got the away support up for it as well. Yeah. It's just a shame we didn't really build on that. And 44 minutes, kind of, there's a moment for Holy where nervous here, you? he's <laughs> a long way out. Of his, I mean, he's almost on the halfway line. He's almost in the dugout. Yeah. Um, and he makes the clearance. It, you know, you think he can row Z here. That's what I thought he was going to do. It in play, I know, yeah. It? So he comes running out and he's not the, he's a big guy. So he's not the fastest. And I think we spoke in the pub before the game. Wouldn't it be ironic if Holy had a howler today for something after all the, after all the stick that Norris had recently? Yeah. He comes a long way out and like you say, I thought he was just going to put his foot through it and try and, try and hit the top, the top of the stand. But yeah, he bends it. It's quite a good ball. He bends it down the line, and then he he doesn't bust a gut to get back in a, to get back in goal either. He's running back, but he's, again, he's not the fastest. So <laughs> thankfully, the uh, the Sunderland player doesn't go for the go for the chip. If, if it falls to the wrong person, a uh, different person, potentially there they could have had just a, just a free hit on goal. So yeah, long way out. Potentially, though. Yeah, it is, it's, it's an awful enough. long way out. But it, but with the wind and the conditions and whatnot, you know, I think I would have probably had to go there. Not. Well, I say what not two. You need a little count in the bottom corner here. That Bing. Yeah. Um, last half time, Seb. And um, if we're going to blame anyone for this defeat, it's going to be you. Because I turned to you, I presume, and I said, "Yep." Yeah. So at half time, I turned to you and I said, "We are going to regret not taking these chances because we don't play well for forty-five minutes." Yeah. And you scoffed and went, "You fool! We'll win easily." <laughs> no, he didn't. Um, I think everyone. I think everyone at the game was thinking exactly. Yeah, the same thing. everyone was thinking the same thing. And um, well, sure enough, let's let's see what happened. In terms of we again the, the the Sunderland game at Portman Road came to mind for me in the first half in the utterly dominant. I don't. I think second half at Portman Road in the Sunderland game we were okay, not great, and Sunderland didn't really have a huge amount. We gave them the goal, but um, did you feel that this was a great Ipswich Town performance or Sunderland were just crap? In the first half. To quote Dave, a bit of both. I wouldn't say a great. I'm setting you it, up it's there. it's not a great Ipswich Town performance. It's a good performance. But we didn't take our chances. And I said to you, there is no way Sunderland could be this bad in the second half. Because they were awful. I mean, there was one point where their left back was under no pressure at all. And he just completely sliced the ball out of play, didn't he? Yeah. You know, their, their heads had almost gone. It was, it was absolutely bizarre. For a side that's won five, uh, five out of five. And, and Only lost once at home. Yeah, it? I mean, you know, they are the seventh in the league, I think, before we started the game. For a side that was up there, we were we were amazed at how bad they were. But obviously, they, there was no chance they were going to be that bad after Parkinson got into them at half time, as we're as we're about to find out. Yeah, well, and Sunderland are in behind almost straight from the kickoff. Um, Danasian is who has to make a, it's a heroic it's a great block, block, is what I've called from Hume, who is um, is in all kinds of space. There was definitely in the second half 
panic stations mm-hmm. defending. And actually the bounces were falling really nicely for Sunderland. There always seemed to be an extra player over in space. And this time it's human. His low shot is is bravely um, defended by Danassian. 51, Gooch absolutely mm. mugs off Wilson, Chambers and Nolan. He played really well. Although I think Nolan, to be fair to him, is in the penalty area. And yeah, Nolan right. can't make a challenge. Um, and he curls a shot uh, around the far post, hits the post, bounces out. It's Wyke who is in all kinds of time and space and all he can do is you you are giving him the benefit that I assume I assume he must be right footed <clears throat> because he just didn't get hold of it at all. He's completely unmarked. Holy's on the deck. And it's a just, back pass, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, he harmlessly sort of you know slices it through to him. So I'm assuming the poor guy must be right footed. Otherwise, it is a an absolute shocker. But uh, yeah, Gooch just went through Wilson and, and Chambers like they weren't even there. Yep, 55. Maguire hits a free kick straight into the wall. Um, there's a couple of bites of this and then again a clearance kind it's of breaks ne- neatly out to it's again it's exactly human being Danassian yeah. and again Danassian is quick to slide out um, we'll talk about Danassian mm. now actually because there's not a huge amount more action for him um, oh no let's talk, we'll talk about it with the substitutes let's do that okay. um, 57 mix, Max Power this is a lovely effort yeah, outside, outside of the, of the boot that's curling back across goal um, into the Probably, I don't know whether it's this going in, but Holy has to tip it over. It's a good save. And this is this is fifty-seven minutes, so the whole the, the whole twelve minutes from the start of half time is all Sunderland. Half, we we yeah. cannot get out of a half. It's just wave after wave after wave of attack. We are, at this point, we're really hanging on. And it's a lot of it is down our left hand side. Um, Will Keane's gone a little bit missing at this point. Norwood no. is doing his best to shit house and win free kicks. To... I, I think Nolan's tired at this point. Nolan did a lot, a lot of running in the first half, linking up play really well, but it was noticeable. I think he, I think he tired around about this point, and we were, we were sort of starting to scream to Lambert to make a change, weren't we? We, we thought we needed Jackson's pace or maybe Hughes' physicality um, just to try and stem the wave after wave of Sunderland attacks. Sixty-four though, back past Claxon. <laughs> Um, I, I'm trying to remember the incident. I think there's pressure from Norwood. Defender yeah. passed it back to the keeper. You don't usually see these given, but it is given. The Sunderland fans are not happy. I think watching back the, the replay, I think it's a to me it's a pretty obvious yes, back pass. Yes, um, how can Ipswich ruin this really great opportunity of an indirect free kick from about six yards out? Well, let me tell you, this is one for maybe our older listeners. I can remember Mark Venus. Is there, is there a Mark Venus one? Tell yeah. me about that. Mark Venus. Yeah, go on. Yeah, is it's it? Watford. No, no, uh, Charlton. The season he joined us, so it must be nineteen ninety seven, just before just before we signed David Johnson. David Johnson mentioned um, he. Uh, yeah, there's one um, where, but he goes high and he sort of curls it into the the top of the net. Um, it's, I think it's in a cup game. We were in a really really bad run of form with uh, with uh, George Bur- under George Burley at that point. But um, yeah, he did same thing. It was one of the. I think it was when the rule was first brought in because that's the only other one I can I can remember seeing. You have to you have to dig it out. Oh, yeah. the back pass rule came in in 1993 season, I think. And the one that I remember, and this is why I say it's for the older supporter, is it's away at Nottingham Forest. Right. And I think it's Neil Thompson who takes it. And Neil Thompson's got a strike on him. And it doesn't go in, but it hits Stuart Pearce in okay. the... Stuart Pearce. The nether in, regions. In, in, little Stuart gets <laughs> attacked by Neil Thompson. I will dig out the footage of both of those. I'll, I'll see if I can find them. But It's definitely Charlton. If you, if you want, <laughs> it's, it's sort of, yeah. If you want a, a textbook example of how not... <laughs> take these and to be and well, we were saying who are you going to who, who would you want hitting it yeah. and we both agreed Garber. kind of Norwood oh, oh, Garber. Garber. <laughs> yeah but of the players on the pitch yeah, you want Norwood head down you? smash it but as I said to you there were so many players it had to get through and also I'm not it's, Norwood is the only person in reality on the pitch who could have taken it but I think it would have favoured a left footer um, because when Norwood runs up to strike it, it's always naturally going to go sort of across the goal. And that's what happened. He, uh, he didn't really get hold of it. It's going wide. Danassian sticks a leg out and makes a, a superb goal line clearance to put it over the top of the bar. But um, that was our one, our one attempt sort of after half time up until this point. And although it's a really, really good position, I did say to you, look how many players are going to have to go through. I don't think we're going to... Just hit it, though. Just get it on target. Yeah, head down and smack it as hard as you can. Um, 70 minutes. um, That that moment there, the back pass, free kick aside, it's all Sunderland. Um, They're camped around the town area. Um, This is panic stations defending. Eventually, the ball works its way out to the, the Sunderland left. Cross ball from Hube, and it's Bailey Wright of all people, the yeah, centre-back, centre-back yeah. who hits a lovely effort. It's, it's probably hits it too well, Seb. Yeah. Um, hits the bar. Um, and um, But that had been a warning, and and Lambert, kind of, to be fair to him, heeds it as a double change here. But talk to me about the substitution, Norwood for Jackson. Norwood's 
Mixed reviews, clearly yeah. that free kit, not good. But he was the only person trying to make something happen up front yesterday. Keane was pretty much anonymous second half, wasn't he? Your thoughts on Jackson for Norwood here? So we were all surprised. I mean, Norwood was the one making the good runs, the hustle, the bustle, and he had the best chances of the first half. As the game went on, Keane sort of became... Not lackadaisical, but he kind of. There were a couple of instances where you really wanted to try and bust a gut to hold the ball up up front to relieve some of the pressure, and he just wasn't doing it. So I think we all assumed it would be Jackson and Norwood. I mean, after all, that was the that was the partnership at the start of the season where things were going so so well. I assumed it'd be both of them. They combined well at Tranmere for the winning goal, but I think we were all shocked when uh, when it was a. Uh, uh, Norwood's number that came up on the board the other one Hughes for Nolan made sense uh, I would have liked it I think 10 minutes earlier about the hour mark because Nolan noticeably dropped mm. in terms of his uh, I'm, I'm guessing it's fitness he's, he's not played for a while um, and we wanted that sort of that physicality with Hughes in the middle of the park because we were just getting overrun um, but for me it, it did come about 10 minutes too late Hughes is involved straight away actually um, and there's this there's one of these ones where the keeper comes out and, and they're challenging for a high ball and it seems to me from the opposite end of the ground that McLaughlin takes Hughes out and possibly anywhere else on the, f- on the pitch. This is a free kick, but nothing is doing here. No penalties are awarded. Um, 78, Earl comes in for Dinassian, who I think had cramped up a little bit. Yeah. Um, Wolfenden is pushed out to the right. Earl comes on in his Phantom of the Opera mask. <laughs> I like the look of Earl. I think he was combative. Yeah. Yep. He's got. He's part of this um, lead-up to the goal, which is we're going to talk about now, but I quite liked him when I thought he did more in 10 minutes than Ken Ock had done aside from the pass in the first half. Yeah, and he came on at left centre-back, didn't he? Because Wolfenden went out wide. So I'd, I'd quite like to see him at left-back. He's a big guy, mm. um, but he's, he's no slouch. He's strong on the ball. So I'd like to see him maybe given a, a more attacking role. I'm not sure he could do the wing-back, but um, but certainly at left-back, if we have to change the, the formation at some point this season, I think he could do a decent job. He looked promising. But this is this is the goal now, Seb. And, Here it is. And, and um, I'm trying to rack my brains thinking about the match footage that we've seen doesn't really give us a huge amount of the build-up. But again, we are being pushed right back into our first into yeah. our half. We are around the 18-yard line. The ball is going from left to right. And eventually, this ball is going to fall to Maguire on the edge of the box, right in the middle of the goal. And it's, it's a good hit. It takes it? it really well, yeah. Wyke does quite well to hold the ball up and drives down into the area. He plays a nice ball across the uh, the penalty box. And uh, Wyke... Uh, sorry, um uh, Maguire lets it run across his body takes it on his right foot it's a great goal Holy's got no chance he hits it really really well and they deserve that based on the previous 30, uh, previous 25 minutes that have been building and building and building um, I guess you could argue did, could we have cleared our lines better Earl wins a header I think Chambers wins a header but White sort of is a nuisance he's the focal point he's the target man he gets his, his big body in the way of things lays it on a plate and Maguire with a really really good finish and as soon as that goes in we all went well that's it then I know there's still 10 minutes or so to go plus a bit of injury time but I think we all know at the moment when we can see the goal the heads do drop and I think we all thought we're not going to get back into this now then and they probably deserved it we were dominant first half second half they've hit the woodwork twice it's been wave after wave after wave of Sunderland attack and I think they did deserve it there's, and there's almost a second for them a few minutes later. It's, it's Wilson, who had an OK game doing his kind of usual mopping up. Yeah, and no nonsense stuff, stuff yeah. Um, but he has a total brain fart in, just inside our half. Um, and uh, I guess it's Wyke who's played in possibly. Maybe Lafferty had come up at that point and scoot it as he saves the day. But there's two chances here to, yeah. for Town to maybe steal something from this. this. This first one is what you want Jackson to be doing, which is running over the top. I, yeah. think, it's a lot of, I think it's a ball from Downs. It's on his right-hand side. We know that's going to be a problem for him, but he's just taking too much time. And really, again, like Ken Lock in the first half, should hit it early, doesn't, and Flanagan intercepts. Yeah, I just think he can't get it out of his feet. He's head down, running towards goal. He's, he's left-footed, Jackson, isn't he? Yeah, I think so. So it's on his weaker foot, um, but he's, he's got to get the shot off there, at least hit the target and force the keeper to make a save. You've got other players running into the box or you or you win a corner out of it or something. He just, just couldn't get it out of his feet and that... That summed it up. I mean, I thought he was pretty anonymous when he came on, to be honest with you. Um, we just seemed to go long at every opportunity for, for Keane to win the headers. We didn't really play to Jackson's strengths. And that was his one chance. And unfortunately, he couldn't take it. And in injury time, there's a effort for Downs here. And maybe in hindsight... It's a decent chance, yeah. I mean, yeah. we're at the other end of the pitch and we're up high. So it was quite hard to see how a clear-cut chance it was on the day. But looking back on the highlights, he's um, yeah, he's unmarked. He's um, he's on his favoured foot and whatnot. You, what not, third time. Um, you, would, uh, you would want him to hit the target there, but I think we all knew. Once Sunderland scored, we, were, we weren't we were going to get back into that game and those those two chances um, 
we'll prove that, obviously. And that's the match, and that is three defeats on the spin mm. to uh, teams around us uh, in the playoff hunt. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Blue Monday are delighted to be partnered with TalkSport Fan Network and NordVPN giving you the best possible offering for browsing the internet securely. NordVPN opens up global streaming options for content not available in your region by switching your virtual location quicker than Wes Burns running down the wing. NordVPN acts like your cyber Sam Morsey whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like passwords and credit card details from falling into the wrong hands. For about the price of an ITFC match program a month or a Blue Monday Telegram subscription, you can get yourself a NordVPN account which can be used across six different devices. If you need to rapidly change direction like Amari Hutchinson, there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Blue Monday or click the link in the podcast or YouTube subscription to be taken straight there, supporting us here at Blue Monday in the process. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like home comforts. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage with Mook Delivery. You win. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Um, 14 shots for us, but only two of those on target. And to be fair, Sunderland, shots against the woodwork, I don't think count no, as being on target. So 15 for them, three on target, though, plus two for the woodwork. Um but and that's, we're up to eight losses now, Seb. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did a little bit of statistical um, analysis on the teams that had gone up from League One over the last five years okay. and the number of losses that... Whether anyone had got eight losses or more. Uh, okay. And actually, I'm trying to find a positive here because <laughs> first half performance is good. Yeah. Second half performance is poor. Lack of clear-cut chances we're talking about. But this idea that League One is good and that it's all kind of doom and gloom from this point onwards... Um, 1450 MK Dons finished second. They'd lost nine games. Burton came second in 1516, got 11 defeats. Barnsley went up in the playoffs that season, 16 defeats. Bond got promoted 1617 with 10 defeats. Millwall through the playoffs, 13 defeats. Rotherham through the playoffs, 1718, 15 defeats. Charlton last season, up through the playoffs, 10 defeats. So the idea that the league season is all over and automatic is out of the question. I don't yeah, think no, we're quite there yet. No, it's, it's not over. We're only five points off second. I, I appreciate a lot of the sides above us have got games in hand. But as, as Ben said, nine of the last 13 games are at home. If we can just try and sort out that home form. And we'll be playing a lot of the sides who we should expect to beat. You know, I mean, Easter is, uh, is Bolton. Uh, I think Southend is the week before that. Shrewsbury's uh, on, on, on good mo- uh, Bank Easter. Holiday Monday. Easter Monday. Um, these are games that at the start of the season we were winning quite comfortably and we've, we've got a fair few games against the sides in the bottom, well, outside of the top eight, so to speak. So it's, it's, it's not all doom and gloom. I expect Rotherham to win the league now. I don't think we're going to be, let's not kid ourselves, I don't think we're going to be champions, I'm afraid. But, uh, but second place is still there to play for. And I saw a tweet yesterday where quite a few of the, the top six have still got to, got to play each other. So we might get, uh, we might get lucky there as well. But it's, it's not all doom and gloom. It's not all over. The first half was a decent performance. If you compare it to Rotherham, and compare it to Peterborough it was chalk and cheese we've just got this problem where we just can't do it for 90 minutes that, that came back to bite us yesterday yeah um, our form since Accrington just for some context as well because we'll do the roundup and then we'll do the questions because the questions are of a particular tone and um, mood I would suggest which is negative um, and this might explain why our form since Accrington um, the defeats on the 20th of October on Sky which is 18 matches won five drawn six lost seven a goal difference of minus three. Mm-hmm. Um, and Town now find themselves outside the top six for the first time, I think, since the first day of the season. Um, in terms of the teams around us, who we can't beat, um, their results seem to go for them yesterday. Yeah, everybody pretty much won, didn't they? Um, Wickham, um, sorry, let's deal with Rotherham. Let's do it in a descending order, shall we? I'm trying to find Rotherham. Do they have a day off? 
I know they beat Lincoln on Friday. Friday night game. So a one nil away win at Lincoln, which we know is not a tough place. Is a tough place to go. <laughs> there are no mugs. And Wickham, three um, one winners over Bristol Rovers. Peterborough, four nil winners. They've really hit their stride. Four goals, now, two weeks in a running. I think we were quite looking forward to Madison leaving. <clears throat> we assumed our oh, Madison's off. That'll really hurt them. But Dembele, Issa, and, and Tony are just gonna. Well, I, I wouldn't be surprised now if they get top two because they're they're just blowing teams away at the moment. Coventry, 2-1 winners over Bolton. I think a few goals disallowed in that game as well for them. Pompey on a, on a good run of form as well. Um, what did they do yesterday? I'm trying to find them. 2-0 away on uh, Tranmere. Um, and we know about Sunderland. Doncaster are now up, up in the reaches of the playoffs now as well. Mm-hmm. Um, they drew one all with Rochdale though. So that's the kind of teams around us. In terms of the point situation, Rotherham three clear from Wickham. Um, on 56 and then Wickham have a point lead on Peterborough have played one game less Coventry though 51 points they have three games on Peterborough two games on Rotherham and Wickham mm. so Coventry could upset the top two and they've only lost if you look at the table there, they've only lost three games all season that's mm. phenomenal I mean, they've, they've drawn a fair few they've drawn 12 which is by far the most in the in the top half of the table but to, to get to, to mid-February and only have lost three matches fair play that's a hell of an achievement especially when you consider they're not playing at their home stadium that's phenomenal yeah and, and I think the, the, to be fair though I think the games in hand that they've got against they are tough, tough yeah. I think, yeah, I can't remember who. I think one of them was Rotherham. Uh, somebody tweeted out yesterday, so fingers crossed somebody else can do us some favours there. Another team with games in hand who are comfortably in, well, if they win their games in hand, are comfortably in the playoffs. Portsmouth on 50. Sunderland now make up the top six by virtue of an extra goal on us, mm-hmm. but they do have a game in hand on us as well. And then we are their seventh on 48 points. Doncaster three points behind us and eighth. So a little bit of a gap have, there. They have got a game in hand, Doncaster as well. We just don't want to be the team that ends the league season in seventh. Let's um let's do some questions, Seb, and, and let's try and keep it light, yeah. <laughs> well, okay, fine. Let's start with Tim Pashley, who's who's doing his best to help us keep it light. Is Hughes Subherence yesterday the only positive? Uh, yes, he played. He didn't really do much when he came on, but I think just the, the psychological factor of seeing him injured one game and offsubbed, we all assumed, oh no, here we go. Lambert came out and said it's just a kick on his ankle, but I think we were all worried that might be one of those that goes on and on. So to, to see him on the bench and see him come on, yes. The other big uh, big plus yesterday I thought was Danassi. I thought he played really yep. well. It's a shame he went off. Very, yeah, I mean, it was just cramp. If it's just cramp, hopefully you'd like to think he'd be okay for, for, for Tuesday night because uh, Kane Vincent Young's probably another three weeks or so, I'm guessing, away from first team action after after some training under 23 games. But no, Danassian arguably could have been my man of the match yesterday. I like the look of Josh Earl as well. I'm going to throw that one in there again. Um, Mullet, who we met up beforehand as well. Hello, Mullet. Um, was that a much better balanced 11 rather than the best one? Um, tiredness after the way the rotation policy was lauded is worrying. No um, thoughts about the balance and thoughts about the likes you mentioned. Nolan, we mentioned Danassian perhaps camping up through tiredness. Yeah. Kenlock didn't look. They were noticeable in the, in the second half. Players noticeably started to fade, which I assume is fitness related because they have not played much in recent times. Obviously, we went out of the cups early January times. So some of these guys haven't played now nearly a month or so, and they don't really play under twenty three or reserve football. So that kind of explains why we dropped off in the second half. In terms of being a better balanced <coughs> eleven than a, than a best eleven, yeah, I guess you could you could argue that. Keane arguably is. Uh, I think Jackson and Norwood are our best front two, but they are quite sort of off the cuff and quite. They're better when they're just reactive and haven't got time to think about things. Keane likes to drop deep and link others into play. So you could argue, yeah, it's a better balanced side, but uh, still no win against the top eight. I wouldn't be starting Keane on Tuesday. No, I'd start Jackson and Nord. But this is where this is where quite rightly, I guess, the question starts. You going to say something else? Sorry, no, I think on Tuesday we might have to look at a formation change though, because if Danassian is injured, I can't really see Wolfenden playing at right wing back for a whole game. So well, we'll, right. we'll okay. talk about women at the end. Okay. Um, let's. Uh, so the, this is where the tone of the question kind of change a bit, <laughs> and I've got two of our pod colleagues to thank for this. Don't swear, um, Craig, who we met up with yesterday as well. Looks like our blip was the three wins against Accrington, Trevor and Lincoln. Um, Mikey also says, what if that's football wasn't an option? <laughs> Weaknesses, you put eczema. Um, let's move, let's ask okay. the proper Always questions. the same, always, always the same. Um, but, I mean, this is a really simple question from Barry, Barry Mann. It's a really pertinent one, though. Why can we never play two hours the same? Is there something to Mullet's tiredness point or well, at the start of the season we assumed it was rotation I mean we were at Coventry away in the league and we played really really well first half couldn't take our chances and then they came out second half and battered us so you have to assume it, it has to be fitness like I said three or four of those yesterday haven't played in a while so you can understand why their fitness levels kind of drop but uh, it's certainly becoming a worry and I think it's now a psychological thing I think if we don't score when we're on top 
then naturally worry starts to creep in both amongst the fans and amongst the players. And that's being translated on the pitch by the fact we're just, we're just not doing it consistently for 90 minutes. Two questions here that dovetail quite nicely. One from Phil Why? Hi, Phil. Um, and one from Tractor Boy Pete. Um, from top of the pile four games ago, this is from Phil, to outside of playoffs. And if the three clubs behind us win their games in hand, we'll be 10th. Might that be a more honest reflection of where we are? Inability to beat the other around us must be worrying, um, must be wrecking belief now, worrying. Um, and then Tractor Boy Pete says, with the current environment of lack of new player investment for Yona, a large squad, some of whom aren't good enough, and a large fan base who are desperate for success, what do you do to improve things? He's, as manager, but what do you, you know, has Phil got a point that maybe we, maybe the fact that we've been in the top six for so long is perhaps an overachievement in the circumstances? Or well, if, you, if you can't go back to Leo Neal's thought that the target should be title. If you can't beat the top eight, you don't deserve to finish in the top eight. That's that's relatively straightforward and easy. Um, based on budget and seventh or eighth in the league table, is that is that our level? That's I guess first nah, question. We're better than that, surely. I mean, at the start of the season, I don't think anybody was was really predicting top two, but I think the vast majority of us thought well, we've got a decent chance of the playoffs here. Surely, we were all quite excited by the, the signing of Norwood and, and, and stuff. But uh, I, I think playoffs is our natural position. Um, the budget would suggest higher up, but in reality, I think playoffs is fair for where we should be. And, and for what it's worth, I do still think we'll get in the playoffs. I, I don't think we'll finish outside of the outside of the playoffs come May. There you go. You can uh, you can all, all, all record this moment. Clip that bit. Yeah, for when I'm. On in May, we finished ninth. So, so to to Tractor Boys Pete's question, then what did he say? What, what would you what do? Would you, what one thing would you improve? And I, I want to kind of amend the question if that's right, Tractor Boy Pete. He said, as the manager, to improve things, I think the easy thing is beat Wimbledon, beat Burton, and you know we're very up and down as supporters. And then maybe suddenly we're thinking maybe we're fourth and we're two points off the top two or something. And everything's all right. But what as the manager do you do? Or what is the owner do you do at the moment? Well, in reality, there's not much the owner can do. He can't go and sign anybody now because the window's closed. So Bring he... another ex-hero, <laughs> yeah, hero yeah, in as a coach. Get Matt Holland in to do some coaching. Get Marcus Stewart to do some finishing uh, coaching with the strikers. Could do worse. Uh, he's got a job, hasn't he? So, yeah. Um, I'd get Terry Connor back. Give him uh, the strikers for six months for the rest of the season, like he did with Murphy in 2014-15, and get them to get better at taking their chances and scoring some goals. Evans can't really do anything. Lambert now has to find a way, be it either through training, tactics, formation, motivation. He's got to do something to improve the mental fortitude of that squad. Bring a psychologist in. Yep. Go and find somebody who specialises in sports psychology. Get him to sit down with the players. You don't have to make it... Um, you can make it optional if you want to. You don't want to make anybody feel uncomfortable. But there's clearly something there from a mental point of view that we are really, really struggling with. So if you can't improve things by bringing players in... Think outside the box, get somebody in, sit them down with them, and let's see if we can make a bit of a difference. Yeah, again, mental health is a really important topic of conversation for the EFL, for supporters at the moment, and I think a lot of ex-players coming out. Well, Downs, about, two think, years ago. Yeah, and Matt Holland, I think, did a really good piece with for Bournemouth, I think, on mental health. <coughs> I think that's a really important point, and, and maybe there is you know, people struggling there at the club who need a bit of support, and similarly, we'd say also... If you're struggling as well, make sure you check out the stuff that the EFL has tweeted. I think I'm trying to remember what is mind is the charity. Yeah, there's, there's mindset. Some stuff or there. like yeah, mindset. so definitely have a look into that. Some stuff on the five-year contract is uh, <laughs> and what this means, and also Andy Gray's kind of made a link with Terry Butch here. Do you think internally this is from Paul Wesley? Do you think internally the plan was straight back up or else, or as Leo Neal would have us believe, the five-year contract suggests not? Um, and there's a lot of people asking about whether this five-year contract means anything. Andy Gray's point is: Does Terry get Terry Butcher coming in? <laughs> Nod to something. Be standing maybe. behind Lambert. And Give it Butcher the, to end the season. Putting the pressure on. Um, your thoughts on the five-year contract about whether the the internal plan it was straight back up or else? Uh, we talked about it a little bit at the start. But. Yeah, I mean, I think that obviously at the start of the season, that's what all the noise was. Um, we should expect to be going straight back up. And given the budget and the, and the playing squad, we all assumed that would be the case. You would assume, even though it's a five-year contract, you've got to surely assume there'll be breaks in it for, for compensation and whatnot. If we finish outside of the playoffs, like, I can't believe there is no chance that Evans has given Lambert a five-year contract. I mean, let's be honest, he never gave... When Mick got us in the playoffs, he only got a two-year extension. So for some reason, uh, Evans has, has, has chucked the longest contract he's ever given out to somebody who was on one of the worst runs we've ever had, apart from Paul Hurst at the time. Um, so you, you've got to think. Surely, if we don't finish in the top two, there'll uh, sorry in the if we don't get promoted, there must be clauses and breaks and stuff like that in there to to protect the club. So I don't expect Lambert to be here for the for the for the five years. I don't think many of us do. 
but uh, I, don't, I don't think he's going anywhere for the rest of this season, so we need to get used to it. In terms of Terry Butcher being in the background... Oh, oh sorry, not the computer. Um, in terms of Terry Butcher being in the background, um, I guess maybe if it keeps Lambert on his toes a little bit, I guess he, you could argue he's quite comfortable um, without any kind of real pressure. But let's, let's not be honest, Terry Butcher's uh, his, his managerial record isn't great either, so I guess we'd need, need to... Need his league one. Yeah, yeah, very true. I guess we need to look elsewhere if we were to to move Lambert on, but he's definitely here for the rest of the season and you would hope if we don't go up, it'll be a, a parting of the ways. So Dave Gore's kind of asked that. When do you start looking at though? He's, he's looking at alternatives. He's, he suggested a couple there, one being McGreal that I think yeah, is I, well, merit, but they might be in the same league as this next season. So. The one I'd like is out of work is Nathan Jones. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a bit of talk about it when um, just before Lambert signed the new deal when the pressure really, I think it was after Lincoln, wasn't it, when, um, when things got really, really bad. Um, I think it was mentioned in the, in the Blue Monday WhatsApp group uh, relatively recently. He's out of work, which I guess would suit would suit Evans because I, I can't see him going to pay compensation to, to a club to get somebody else in. And I guess there's an argument do you cut your losses and, and, and give somebody six months to, to build a squad? I mean, Ben will know better than we do from his championship stuff. I, th- I think Nathan Jones is a four four two diamond, high press, high energy kind of manager. So I guess you could argue our squad and our, our players and whatnot. whatnot. Five, five. <laughs> our squad and our players don't, couldn't really adhere to that at the moment. Um, but he's, uh, he's certainly one I'd be looking at if, um, if, if this continues how it currently is. Noel Baker, um, I mean, cuts to the chase here. Um, do you think there is something badly and fundamentally wrong at the heart of the club? Yes. Um, why can't we recruit the players other teams do? Why are we such a soft, why are we such a soft touch? Has Lambert had enough time already? I mean, this the consistent is, is Marcus Evans, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, this is this has been the same way for years. Um, our recruitment under the likes of Keane and Jewell and Hurst and was always always poor. It's something is fundamentally wrong, and you have to look back. The only. Uh, the only thing that's been there consistent throughout that time is, is Mark and Seven's overship. He's changed CEOs. He's changed sort of structures within the club in terms of uh, who reports to who. He's changed managers. But at the end of the day, he's the one person that's been there throughout this entire reign. So the buck stops with him in my, in my eyes. Yeah, and there's something to be said for being a bit humble when you realise you've screwed up, isn't there? But he never is. He just does a, does a yeah. soundbite statement. So the and... easy thing, I guess, to do if you're, if you're Marcus Evans and... Um, things are looking bad is to sack the manager isn't it and yep. trying to change that um, but then so much for this five year plan but is there a point where Marcus Evans needs to realise that everything that he's tried so far over the last decade or more has not worked yep and he's appointed manager with proven track records so Keane Jewel, Mick they all took people Lambert they've all taken people up so it's it, you know he's you could argue the calibre of manager he's going for they do have proven track records of success he's just not willing to give them the backing or the or the funding to to deliver on the pitch. I think, and I think that question, um, Noel, is 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 really telling, and it's something that a lot of people have been concerned about for some time. But yeah. I think, you know, we're not going to sit here and tell Mark Evans to sell up because that's easier said than done. And also, we're not we're not attractive. I can't. Who's going to buy us in reality? All the debt, you know, the stadium's falling to pieces. We're a League One side. Uh, Outside of the promotion picture now, you know, I mean, people, you see on Twitter, don't you? People say, oh, brilliant, let's get Ed Sheeran to buy the club. But <laughs> Marcus Evans is a billionaire and he can't afford to compete. He's losing seven million quid a year. So you've got to find somebody who, A, has got the money to pay for the, to, pay, to buy it in the first place. B, is happy to put in seven million quid just to stand still. And then if you're talking getting out of the championship, you're talking another 20, 30 million pounds in, in terms of transfers and, and that kind of thing. So it's, 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 you know, Evans is here to stay, I think, for, for, for quite a while. Let- I'm just going to wrap three questions together on Lambert before we move away from that. Um, Will Airy says, will Lambert walk before Evan sacks him? Nope, I wouldn't walk away from a five-year contract, would you? Um, Alex Morton says, would, what, would the, um, what would firing the manager achieve at this point? You give somebody, uh, do you want to answer these or are you just firing through them? I'm going to merge them together. Sorry, okay. Because Jack Saunders will counter that with, do you reckon any other club in the league would keep their manager at this point? Uh, probably not, no. Not if you dropped outside of the playoff positions. I think that's quite, quite telling. Um, reactionary though, no? Um, but it's still only February. It's going on since October. You, you brought the stats up there. It's been going on since October. This this really? malaise. The Accrington game. We're top of the league and we're about six seven points clear of of third place. And it's just since then been a, a, a slow a slow um, descent down the down the table. If the only advantage you would get of bringing somebody in now, two advantages. You might get a boost and a bounce, hopefully, um, that might see us gate crash the playoffs. Or you've got somebody else there who's got four or five months to sort of you know play with the squad and work out who can and can't do things and put together a real philosophy going into next season. 
two questions again. I'm going to merge, so let me answer them first, Sorry, and then okay. you can say what not a few times. Um, <laughs> Dylan says this is so. This is all about the personnel yesterday, and again, a bit of a nod towards Wimbledon and what we do there. Dylan says, um, in his opinion, Nolan once more offered. Absolutely nothing. I thought Nolan was okay yesterday. In the first half. Um, but yeah, um, surely Dizel would be a better option. Young has so much potential. The only player to be able to create something out of nothing. Um, and Tony Staunton, who says, love the show. Always a good way of getting your, your tweet mentioned yeah. to say that you love the show. Um, should Lambert have played Norwood and Jackson up front? So your thoughts on A, whether Nolan keeps his place on Tuesday. I guess by default he probably has to. No, I'd bring um, Hughes or back. Or Hughes comes back. Okay. I'd bring Hughes back. Scoos did well yesterday. Downs is still available because his, uh, although it was his 10th booking, two of those were in cup games, so he is still eligible to play. So I would have Scoos, Downs and Hughes as my central midfield three. And to Tony's point about your front two? Naxon. Naxon. and Jawwood. Uh, <laughs> Jackson and Norwood because, well, let's be honest, they're the two top scorers in the, in the team and also they were the front two when we were on this really good run of form up until September, October. A lot of questions on a similar theme. So thank you to everyone who asked questions. Um, I've, I've not read them where I think there's kind of a repeat of something we've talked about. Yeah. I will end on a couple bits though. <clears throat> One is from Martin F, um, who has asked us a question about um, members of the Blue Monday pod team and what they tweet out. Um, what I will say... I'll bring you this, uh, this, pre- this is yours. In a prepared statement, no, no, <laughs> um, is that um, all of us tweet stuff, all of us are on the podcast and give our opinions. Um, we don't ask you necessarily to agree with them. Yep. No one no one person speaks on behalf of yep. the podcast, even Ben or I. If you see something tweeted out from the Blue Monday account, that is the channel speaking. Yep. Otherwise, if you see something from Seb or me or Dave or Mikey or Craig or Stat or whoever that you don't agree with, that is it's our their opinion, views, yeah. which they're well entitled to have. And well, Football's about opinions as well. Yep. You know, if we all agreed on everything, it'd be quite boring. It's about... It's about opinions that you want to provoke conversations with. But similarly, they talk for themselves. Yeah, and I'm sure they yeah. are happy to debate anyone on, on their opinions, which is, again, as Seb says. So no one speaks for Blue Monday apart from Blue Monday, who is a sentient entity <laughs> that might go rogue at some point if we don't... Become self-aware. Yeah, become self-aware and go and support someone better. Um, I just wanted to end with Jason, who's always positive and always got something upbeat to say. Um, and he says, wonderful show team as well, um, preemptively. Um, but he said, um, we talked about soundbites a good one yesterday from Lambert and I'd like everyone to now adopt we are the hunters yeah. it's the new no normal we'll just take to that <laughs> way and, to, and to try and find a, a kind of a, an, an analytical point about it we are now seventh we are now hunting down the playoff positions is that a better thing psychologically for us as Lambert has maybe alluded it, to or maybe it relieves some of the pressure um, I'm guessing now the onus is on the other teams to stay where they are which obviously we couldn't manage to do um, but we've only become the, the hunters not the hunted because we've messed it up so badly in the last three or four months so you know if we start mid-table if, if this is reversed if we're crap up until December time and then we go on the run we had at the start of the season and we're doing these kind of sound bites like oh you know we're hunting them down we'd all be really behind that and we'd all genuinely believe in it but you can't really say that you're uh, you're going to hunt them down when you've just given away the positions in the table so uh, but I'd expect we'll hear that quite a lot now before the end of the season that's your season ticket sell a promotional hashtag <laughs> yeah for next season. year hashtag, hashtag hunters we are the hunters yeah um, makes me think of gladiators. Thank you for, again for the question. Sorry for those that we didn't have time to read out. Um, always appreciate those. Always useful to shape the debate. Yeah, thank you. Um, let's um, let's sum up the podcast. Let's talk about Wimbledon, which is hashtag winnable on Tuesday night at Kings Meadow. Um, let me tell you about Wimbledon's form at the moment. Lost to Fleetwood on Saturday um, at home. But their home form generally is okay. They're 16th in the home table. Five wins, six draws. Only four defeats, though. No wins in three, but their last win was at home to Peterborough. So they do know how to beat the teams at the top, unlike some. Um, but they are 20th. A good buffer of eight points yeah. from danger, though. Top scorer's got 11 markers fours. And Joe Piggott, who I think is highly rated at six. Your thoughts, Seb, on formations and score predictions? So a lot will depend on the Danassian injury. I think Lambert said it was cramp. So assuming he's okay, it could well be the same as it was yesterday with the... I would bring in personally, I'd bring in Hughes for Nolan and I would bring in uh, Jackson for Keane. If he doesn't make it, I think we'll go back to a back four with uh, Wolfenden at right back. And I would like to see Josh Earl given a go. Um, if it's a back four, uh, I think he played at left back for Bolton um, mm-hmm. through the first part of the season. So given, you know, he's quite a big guy, but he's clearly got a bit of a, a, an engine on him. He can clearly do that role. So I'd be ha- perfectly happy. Kenlock wasn't great yesterday. Uh, I'd be perfectly happy to see Earl come in as well. As you said, hashtag winnable. And 
I'm not sure what the stats are now after yesterday, but until yesterday, we still had the best record away from home so in the league. Fourth in the away oh, table. It's all falling, isn't it? <clears throat> um, so you'd like to think that kind of side, and the fact I think that the fact they're eight points away from uh, from relegation makes it a little bit easier. They're not going to be totally scrapping for their lives. No idea on the pitch, um, but we, we, in terms of must-win games, I'm guessing this must be one of the biggest ones now. We, we have to win this, and then we have to follow up with a win against Burton if we are to keep in touch with this and stop this from becoming a, a, a more of an alarming slump. So I, yeah. I think we'll win, um, but I'd like to see those changes made to the team if possible. Good stuff. Well, so plenty of content coming up this week. Clearly, we'll be back for the midweek show. We kind of Our new rule is that if there's a game, we'll do a pod and talk about it. Yeah, Otherwise... We'll have a bit of a break. Um, so I think it's Ben is back for okay. the midweek show on Wednesday. I think at least Joe, maybe I'll be back for that. Burton, it'll be me and I think Joe and Dave. Um, and you can find all the details of who's on the shows and the question tweets um, at Blue Monday ITFC. You can also find us on Instagram. Um, our account num- name is Blue Monday Pod Team, all one word. Some good stuff there. And YouTube, make sure you update your subscriptions to our channel on, Blue, on YouTube, Blue Monday Podcast, hashtag ITFC, update your subscriptions and you can find all of our stuff, including some more and more 99-2000 content to take oh, your mind oh, off memories. Last of this season. <laughs> um, let's, um, let's finish with your um, 12 pillars then, Seb. I put I mine out there. Can you remember what you put on no. your... You went old school and... I did a mixture. I want the ones that I, th- I felt you had to include. Uh, I only started watching Mark Fish. Yeah, Adam, Adam Proudlock. Adam Proudlock, yeah. Um, so I did the likes of, I think I did Crawford, Mariner, Beatty, and Mills. Then, like you, I chose the the players that I've you know either seen or grown up with. So Stockwell was in there, Marcus Stewart, Jim Majilton, Matt Holland, David Johnson, uh, Tariko. I think I put in there. But tellingly, I I think I might have put Chambers actually. I think I might have put Chambers. Controversially, I know. But tellingly, I mean, it was after the the playoff winning in the the side that finished fifth in the league. There was. If I did put Chambers in, I'd put one in from the last 20 years, which I think is quite telling of, of where we are. But I'll be honest, like, I'll have to try and dig out and see if it's still in my in my centre. I know it was a form you filled in, so there'll be no history of it. Ah, well. The club will know. <laughs> yeah, they've got it, and I'm sure they'll ignore it. If you've got any opinions on Seb's selections, <laughs> particularly of more recent players, where can we find you on Twitter? At BrownS08. And you can find me at Ipswich. Seb, thank you again for your contribution. I'm looking outside. It's sunny. Sunshine. We're in the eye of the storm, mate. Yeah, I think it's the yeah. I mean, we've been outside three or four times to pick up bins and various garden ornaments and whatnot. And we had monsoon-style rain about two hours ago, and now it's absolutely sunny. So, uh, who says climate change isn't a real thing, eh? Stay safe, everyone, and um, <laughs> lock your bins down. And Seb, I'll let you have the last word. And it's got it's a it's a one word. Actually, it's probably can only, I have four? No, no, you can have one word. Right. I want I want you to say it for the sixth time, and you can <laughs> sign off. Goodbye, everyone. I'll see you soon. And Seb, what not? Come on, the hunters. It's the promotion running. Everyone is gathered round to watch. The McNuggets share boxes are there offering much needed distraction. Your mate's already been booked for double dipping, but in you swoop to steal the last nuggets and claim all three points. Oh, and there is the Harry Clark fist pump to celebrate. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in at participating restaurant. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.